Hi folks, I'm joined by the founder and director of Forum for Democracy, uh, Thierry Bordeaux. I pronounced that wrong, haven't I? No, it's almost uh, right. Almost right. And John Lachlan, <laughs> uh, thank you both for joining me. Uh, we, I thought, would be able to discuss um, what you guys are actually doing, because I think that a lot of our audience will have heard your names in the press and read your Wikipedia bios, which are not flattering, but it was enough to make me like you. Uh, and Because uh, basically I get the same description on Wikipedia as well. Uh, so I was like, right, okay, they can't be that bad. Um, and I thought we'd just talk about uh, the current circumstance in which you find yourself and what you think is going on. Yes, well, thank you for, for having us. We're sort of uh, touring podcasts together. Mm -hmm. I'm a member of parliament. I'm a Dutch politician mm -hmm. in, in the Netherlands. And um, I've written a book which is now coming out in English, The COVID mm -hmm. Conspiracy, The Globalist Takeover and the Great Reset, which is about what I think is currently happening. And our party, my party, has an international department, which is called Forum for Democracy International. And we are very, very honored that John Lochland has agreed to be the director of that institute. I've been an admirer of John's for, for a very long time, for many, many years. And together we're trying to build an international platform for like-minded people. Mm -hmm. And if you need an umbrella term for, for that, it, 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 I would say we are a global, anti-globalist alliance. Is this like a counter-world economic forum? Right, right. Well, yes, in a way you could say uh, uh, most of the ideas that we oppose are defended by the World Economic Forum. So it's <laughs> almost an exact thing. If you, if you take yeah. anything they propose, then you're, you're almost entirely sure that we will believe the opposite. This, yeah, this would no, be right I, for society. I, I basically find myself in the same position at this point because, I mean, it, it, does, it, it doesn't seem to be overstating the case that there is some kind of global takeover by a particular cabal of people who all share a particular worldview, which seems to be a kind of um, managerial view of humanity, of, of what humanity should live under. And as, as someone who has um, uh, been quite independent uh, my entire life, I find myself viewing it with a great deal of horror, actually. Um, what, what do you guys make of that? Well, managerial is the right word, because yeah. the history of the World Economic Forum, as I'm sure you know, is that it was created in 1971, I think, uh, as the European Management Forum. Mm -hmm. And uh, Klaus Schwab is, in fact, a professor of, of management. And so he... He, he indeed uh, ticks all the wrong boxes because he is a managerist. He is the embodiment of James Burnham's man managerial revolution. Uh, and I think the reason why we are, yes, the uh, opposite of the World Economic Forum is the, the thing probably, to, sum, to summarise the thing that we hate most about it, is this uh, conjunction of big business, uh, big uh, corporate business, uh, and leftism. Mm. Uh, in, in Britain and in other countries for many decades now, the right has allied itself with uh, world capitalism, international capitalism. Uh, but I'm afraid, in my view, the right has uh, chosen the wrong ally because, on the contrary, as we've seen uh, only recently here in Britain with Nigel Farage's, uh, the cancellation of his, of his bank account, we can see that big business, big banks, big corporations uh, have become left-wing organisations, culturally left-wing organisations. So it's this, 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 this drift of liberalism, or what pretends to be liberalism, towards the left, which uh, which the World Economic Forum embodies, I think, more than anything else. 
I, I, I hate to say it, but I think it's not even what appears to be liberalism. I think it's... It is, yes. It's kind of inevitable well, that liberalism but no, goes but I mean, I, Yes, I agree. I, yeah. I like you. I think it does actually come from liberalism itself. Mm. But on the other hand, we are now in a world where there is no rule of law, where property rights are... Uh, you know, severely curtailed, if not completely destroyed, where there isn't really freedom of speech. So all those mm. basic building blocks of classical liberalism have, of, have, of course, in the recent developments been brushed aside. Why do you think that is? Well, I think it is because uh, liberalism uh, is a. Uh, it is indeed in the in the in the actual essence of liberalism itself, which uh, sets itself or set itself up in the seventeenth century as a neutral uh, structure. Uh, it would take Hobbes. You know, the idea was the state would prevent conflict and so on, uh, and then later on it was the market or the law or these neut these so called neutral structures which were supposed to. Uh, dissipate away social conflict. Uh, in reality, uh, all declensions of liberalism are progressivist and they want to improve society, to create a new man and so on. And so they can never, uh, they can never let up. They're always seeking new uh, dragons to slay. It's not a neutral system, liberalism. It's on the contrary, a militant system. And that's why the emblematic, the programmatic book of uh, late 20 or mid 20th century liberalism uh, is called the open society and its enemies. And indeed, liberalism, I think, defines itself, um, in some ways I sometimes say a bit like Protestantism, uh, only in terms of its enemies. And that's why it's constantly seeking new enemies uh, to justify its own sense of, of progressivism. It is interesting, isn't it, how it has this unspoken doctrine that allows it to render everything in reality as being in some way problematic and against pro and progress is to break down all of these things uh, what do you think the end state of progress looks like what's the destination there isn't an end state that's the whole point uh, uh, it is a constant revolution it's a permanent revolution because unless there are more and more enemies to find then liberalism loses its purpose that's why it keeps creating new enemies that's why uh, uh, so to take a woke, an example of wokeism, uh, L, um, gay marriage came out of nowhere mm. uh, about ten years, just slightly less than ten years ago. Uh, nobody expected the gay marriage thing suddenly to become uh, come onto the agenda. Still less for it to be a uh, a totem for progressivism, because those countries that don't accept it are pilloried. Uh, and then hardly was that over, but now we have transgender, which which is a, a, seems to be another madness. So I don't know what the next thing will be. Maybe the sexualization of children and the normalization of paedophilia. But, the, but what I am certain of is that it's a constant process because of this desire for progressivism. It's essentially a progressive obsession. And it's the opposite of the conservative mindset, which is to regard reality as a source of wonderment, a source of inspiration and of something which may lead to improvement, but also we all know that, you know, man has fallen in nature and that fundamentally human nature will always remain the same. Um, I'd like to advance a theory as to what I think the end state is of progressivism. Uh, I think that the problem with liberalism uh, is essentially the fetishization of reason uh, and the, the raising of this to levels of essentially a divine quality, yes. um, which renders the human body the issue itself. 
because of course a man's will and reason are trapped within his own skull which is attached to the rest of his corporeal form and this leads them to find everything about material reality to actually be the problem absolutely and therefore everything becomes subject to the whims of a person's um, well just desires yes. and will yes. and this means that essentially what they're trying to do is liberate themselves from their own bodies absolutely well that's the gnostic, reality itself that's the gnosticism that fogelin talked about which mm. we see in the transgender movement but what we see also in all the attempts to plan society mm. as you say the fetishization of reason uh, or perhaps more precisely of will. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, no, uh, I, sh because, I should have, I yeah, should have. Because reason, that. after all, uh, you know, uh, it's a tool to, to look at the yeah. world and to understand yeah. it and so on. Yeah, but no, I, I think you're absolutely right. But this, um, I mean, I, I'm glad you said it's a kind of Gnostic uh, philosophy because there are huge amounts of metaphysics attached to the idea that actually uh, the will isn't the product of the body. Um, because, and uh, which is ironic considering these people are all materialists. They don't have any theological views whatsoever, and yet it's all buried underneath the layer of materialism. And they can never really be honest about their own beliefs, can they? Yeah, I mean, uh, there are many contradictions. Uh, one of the things that strikes me most about the transgender movement, uh, which you might think had come out of uh, the 1960s and uh, free love and so on, is that actually uh, the transgender movement is not about sex. Mm. Because if you have a sex change operation, you can't have sex, mm. as a matter of fact. Uh, so it's a very uh, peculiar development. In fact, it's a, a dialectical opposite yeah. of the place where it started. Uh, but I think that's part, I think this dialectical thing where one thing and its opposite can, as it were, both be true, uh, is part of this cyclical and very destructive process of, of progressivism. The issue I think that modern conservatives have is that A, I don't think they have this kind of level of understanding of what's happening, but uh, B, they're also kind of married to liberalism uh, because in prior eras it seemed like a good idea and it didn't have this Gnostic seed of destruction as far as they could tell. And so it seemed perfectly reasonable to say well, we want constitutional rights, we'd like free speech, we'd like all of these things. And now they're committed to a path that seems to lead to inevitable destruction of everything, not just our own societies, but in you know the, the sanctity of the human body. Um, what foundations should conservatives be um, taking instead of the liberal foundations that they're on at the moment? Where should they begin from, really, do you think? I think you said it quite well, that the biological reality mm. of life uh, is, is essential. And that also uh, pertains, obviously, to uh, the great taboos uh, re regarding the immigration discussion. We are not allowed to talk about ethnicity. We're not allowed to talk about biology. The, this, is, this is the central taboo. And conservatives have accepted not merely the mindset of the liberal, the vocabulary, but also the taboos of the liberals. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and it's my view that taboos are protectors, guarantors of an order, political order. And so as long as conservatives continue to be scared of these taboos and, and, of, and of being named all the swear words that surround the taboos, 
you know, racist, fascist, anti-Semite, homo-hater, uh, COVID-denier, uh, climate-denier, uh, all these things, as long as they, they, they go to great lengths to avoid being labeled such, they will, they will never come back to their actual beliefs and, and, and feel confident about them. And in fact, that seems to be exactly the purpose of all of these sure. smears. Sure, they, 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 they intend to incite fear into people and, 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 and the consequences that they will sort of accept something. And there was just one, one more thing that I wanted to add. Um, you mentioned the, the, the philosophical origins of liberalism, 17th century, all these things. I understand that and I agree partly, but I also think that the liberal movement used classical freedom rights, like freedom of speech, to destroy an order. It mm. was a red. This, yeah. this comes from the French Revolution, where they they essentially wanted to do away with, yeah. let's say, the church as an yeah. institution and yeah. also aristocracy and a few other institutions, national national states, national identities came later, and and so they start using these rights as as offensive weapons, mm -hmm. and 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 conservatives being perhaps naive and they're like, okay, yeah, that's very good to have free debate, to have diversity. They are not interested in free debate. They are not interested in diversity. They are interested in using the pretext of diversity to destroy something. Mm. For example, to destroy currently, to destroy sexual relations between man and woman and, and families and so on. That's why they promote this transgenderism, not because they are genuinely open-minded, because they genuinely want diversity. That's, that's, they are insincere. And conservatives, I think, have been counting too much on the sincerity of their opponents. They, the left never plays by their own rules. Mm -hmm. They always change the rules halfway through. Mm. And so conservatives resemble, I think very much, they resemble the Achilles in the famous uh, metaphor of Achilles and the toad, uh, um, or the turtle uh, in English. Um, the, so Achilles thinks that he is in a certain play field, and, but once he arrives at the point where he intends to, to, to go to, to, to catch the turtle, the turtle has already sort of dribbled away and Achilles just can't get his mind around to what is happening that he's always losing but this is the story of conservatives for the past 200 years they thought they had adapted to the new rules of the game but once they had gotten come to the battlefield like with their gear and everything all right let's have this battle it had already shifted I completely always agree. too late I, I, it, weirdly it's very much like upgrading windows yeah. I've never accepted a Windows upgrade, and yet I'm on Windows 10 now. I started on Windows 3.5, and somehow I've already arrived at Windows 10. But I never agreed to any of this, and this is what the modern conservative feels like. It's like, well, I didn't agree to any mm. of this, but now we're transitioning children. Mm. Uh, and this is a real issue. And one, one thing I think you were sort of hinting at it is the lack of normative component within liberalism prevents them from actually having something that gives them a boundary or place mm. of guidance. Mm. And so we're constantly relying on some kind of presupposed normative instruction that's never articulated. And for some reason, conservatives have left this totally untouched. You know, what are you for, not what are you against, as you were saying. Mm. It's insanely frustrating, isn't it? Mm. Well, again, I think that's because uh, liberals are not interested in truth. Mm. And that's why I, I think uh, the 
Yes, I know what you mean by the fetishization of reason, but conservatives surely should be interested in truth. They should be tr interested in trying to understand and using their reason to understand the world as mm. it is. Uh, liberals, and that's also the paradox about materialism, because the key thing about materialism is that it is uh, un uh, matter is unformed. So therefore, the consequence of materialism is that it can be informed by a sheer by a simple act of will in other words mm -hmm. the world human nature society is infinitely malleable uh, by 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 pure arbitrary decision making this the, just a, sorry to interrupt the, the, it seems that actually what the way that you've uh, framed this it it reveals liberalism to have a problem with truth itself as in the enemy is the truth of reality we need to change that because I have a feeling, I have a desire. Yeah, I agree. To have something yes, different. Yes, because, because reality is not appreciated and it is instead, that's that comes back to the Gnostic thing, uh, the liberal or the Gnostic anyway is angry with reality, is mm -hmm. angry uh, at, with, at, the world, at the way the world is now and he wants to change it. Mm -hmm. uh, so his attitude is one of constant change, change for change's sake. Uh, and uh, the, the search for truth, by contrast, and the, the, the putting forward of truth in as much as we can uh, come to have access to the truth, is also, uh, secondarily, one of the um, instruments against taboos, because it's precisely in societies where faith and truth, or a faith and uh, a belief in truth have collapsed, that people instead navigate by taboos. Uh, and in, in today's societies, that is the problem. Most people today navigate almost like uh, animals, mm. uh, they, sort of in the night or whatever. They can, they can sense where a taboo is and they shift according to it rather than uh, trying to understand what may or may not be true and going for that truth. And ironically, this turns into a kind of tradition of its own, doesn't it? Because without an actual... One, one of the things, of course, the liberals are deeply against is the concept of tradition because in the sort of... Um, Burkean way that prejudices build up as a as a habitual um, knowledge that's unspoken about what is right and wrong. Uh, the the liberal order now is actually building up their own set of unspoken but well known taboos, and so they're becoming the thing that they sort to overthrow anyway. Yes, but tradition is indeed only an instrument in the Burkean mm. logic. It's not it's just because something is traditional is not. Oh, in no, and of yeah, itself, it yeah. is, on the contrary, it is a, a re reservoir of mm. truth. That's Burke's view, rather like Hayek with yeah, the market. Yeah, sorry, I, I, should have, I should have framed it as a kind of anti-tradition, shouldn't I? Or a sort of negative image yeah. of tradition, something like that. Um, but So, on the, on the subject of tradition then, um, how do you think we can best make the argument for these traditions in the modern era? Because, I mean, well-educated gentlemen such as yourself, of course, understand the, and appreciate the importance of them. But uh, there are many young people today who I feel have been deliberately disconnected from the traditions of their countries. Um, how do we try and persuade them that maybe there's something here they should be interested in? Well, the, the, the thing that John said about how the, uh, the movement of free love in the 60s turned into something that has nothing to do with love or sex anymore mm. right now, I think that's, that, that makes a more fundamental point. Conservatives or traditionalists uh, love the thing that has been yes. created and that yes. serves a certain purpose. And they feel, they look, on the, they look at life on the bright side. 
they see something that pre that presents uh, a certain enjoyment or a certain pleasure to people, exactly. and and the 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 liberal being a revolutionary, being uh, an activist, being an unpleasant person, <laughs> will will not feel that. So if you are, and, and we'll look at it from some kind of abstract perspective in which it, it creates an inequality or some other perceived injustice or privilege or whatever. Mm -hmm. So he, he, he has these ar his arguments ready. It's unjust. We have to change it. And, but the thing that the, 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 the traditionalist has to present in opposite is how much it actually gives mm -hmm. this perceived inequality, privilege, whatever. And that is something that that can be, I think, that can be passed on to the new generation. I've just turned, I've just become a father. I just congratulations. Have a son. Um, his name is Lancelot, That's and obviously, I would love him to understand some of the myths and the great stories of that mm. surround the, that personality in European uh, history. But all the things that I'm trying to pass on to him mm. are things that I actually love. Exactly. Culinary traditions, musical traditions. A certain uh, understanding of the interior design of, of the of the home with with paintings with uh, you know those kind of things and and that is something that uh, and beauty that is uh, that is a friend that we will always have mm. on our side liberals mm. cannot create beautiful things no oh, it's, it's impossible true. it's, it's completely true. inimical to their their very existence there was even this is a very interesting point <laughs> that there was a huge study, empirical study, based on, on the faces of thousands and thousands of people and their political view. I'm sure you've seen it. it was on I the haven't internet. seen it, but I can That's guess where this is going. <laughs> so the, the, the more, this is actually factual, this is, I'm not saying science. it. It's I'm, science. I'm <laughs> quoting science. And since we are it here in the true. absolutization of science, whenever yeah. it's scientifically proven, I mean, there's consensus, there's that, scientific yeah. consensus. 97% yeah. of all scientists agree <laughs> that the more beautiful someone is, is perceived like sociological, the yeah. more, more classically beautiful facial characteristics and so on, the more likely they are to be right-wing. Mm -hmm. It's And it's uh, <laughs> demonstrated <laughs> in every person's experience. <laughs> right, so if you see a, a, a beautiful girl uh, uh, or, uh, uh, with, with high energy, she's likely to hold conservative views, mm. to, be, to be more <laughs> um, conservative in her, in her uh, understanding of the world. And and that, but but of course, uh, traditionalists, conservatives, people generally speaking on our side of the spectrum, have been extremely shy to point out all these things, and they they've let themselves be be reduced to a sort of dimmy status where they're they are afraid of themselves to speak out and to be openly to they always have been fighting with their right hand tied to their back mm. because otherwise you're this you're that oh oh no i mean i'm sure people would perceive it as extremely sexist what i've just said the more beautiful women are the more likely they are to be right wing whereas this is now not something that i'm i'm saying this is not me i'm just quoting a, a huge study that was undertaken but even then isn't isn't like i i i'm i'm at the point where i'm i'm a little bit unrepentant anymore uh, of being called sexist of being yes of, of, of saying something anything. true 
yeah. being critiqued by a No, but I'm, I'm not saying it because I'm afraid of, of I know, being I know, it. I'm just, yeah, I'm explaining yeah. the way the debate works. Yeah, I, I, I know, I know. Yeah. But, but th th this, this is something that's very much frustrated me because um, essentially the, what the Conservative wants is the antithesis of what the Liberal wants in every case. And it's that way because the Liberal is trying to destroy the Conservatives' um, uh, the, the the institutions the conservative wants and so it, it, it frustrates me that the conservatives never make an argument for something like exclusivity for example exclusivity is actually the easiest thing in the world to defend because and something that is ultimately inclusive has to be available to everyone and therefore has zero value because everyone has access to it yeah but but this is another thing that that that, that everyone is conservative regarding the things that they love. Yes. So this is another point with regards to exclu exclusivity. The most, the, the, the people arguing for the most uh, economic e egalitarianism or whatever, the inclusivity or, the, you know, show me your bank account. Yes. So th this is another thing that I think conservatives has, have not done enough, which is pointing to the hypocrisy of the left. And we've well, seen this with the climate conferences. All these people flying in with their private jets to tell us that we're not allowed to what? eat meat anymore. Come on. You know, so, and this is, this is across the board. You'll I, see that everywhere. I show agree. me a liberal and I'll show you a hypocrite. I agree with you. But the, the problem is you, you made the point earlier that the liberal will just change the boundaries. <laughs> yes. And, and yeah. so they're immune to charges of hypocrisy. They don't care. They are, but the, the general public. Uh, absolutely. And yeah, also yeah. our own ranks. Because yeah. this is the third thing that I've witnessed during my your life in politics and all these debates and, and things I've done, there are so few people that are willing to stand up to right-wing defenders of their ideas. Mm. You know, uh, whereas the left is always clotting together. Mm. I was the only elected politician in Europe to defend Andrew Tate's ridiculous arrest. And mm. the, the entire situation surrounding him and his brother in Romania is, is absurd. From a, from a legal perspective, from a, a due process perspective, from a political perspective, uh, I have not seen massive uh, support for Nigel Farage mm. when he was debanked recently. In, in, Why uh, aren't we standing up for each other? Well, uh, there actually was quite a lot of defense for Farage yes. uh, in Britain, actually, which okay. was okay. very All unusual. Right. So I take no, that no, no. back. But it, it's, no, it's no, an I, unusual thing. Yeah, it's, it, uh, I, I don't blame you for not seeing it because it wasn't uh, exactly widely publicized in the media. Um, but many conservative politicians actually did yes. come out in his defense. Yes. Okay. Uh, of course, the media didn't want to make that known because, of course, that makes the right look like it might have some sort of unity. Legitimacy. Or, yeah. yeah, exactly. Legitimacy is in, hang on, they have a moral point here that we actually can't really argue because if we're for ultimate inclusivity, taking someone's bank account away from them sounds a lot like they're violating <laughs> the human rights, right? And so, of course, this is something they, they kind of shied away on. Um, but I, I really, I agree with you, you know, we, we, we should be a lot more vocal. And this is why it frustrates me that conservatives are actually quite tepid in their arguments. Like exclusivity, like I was saying, is a really easy thing to defend. Uh, actually, no, the people who don't deserve and haven't earned the thing that I have or I'm protecting don't deserve to have any access to it at all. And you agree with that in every case because you exclude racism. You exclude you, the people you consider to be racist. So you already agree with me that you want to create a particular space that actually has a certain constituency that has access to it. So now we're speaking 
in the same language and you already are on my side. So don't give me, the, but I mean, you know, then I'd have to call them a hypocrite. And I've just argued that they don't care about that, don't, haven't I? So maybe that doesn't matter. <laughs> but there are, but there, are other, there are other things that the right needs to be a lot more aggressive yeah. on, really, aren't they? You know? uh, yeah, and positive. I mean, you've just uh, denounced uh, the word exclusive in its negative use. Hmm. So you're excluding racism and so on. But we all know that exclusive also has a, a positive, a very, very positive con mm. co uh, connotation. Exclusive offer, you know, yeah. exclusive hotel or whatever. It's incredibly positive. Same with uh, discriminate, the word discrimination. Mm. He's a very discriminating man. It doesn't mean he's a prejudiced man. It means mm. that on the contrary, he has a lot of taste and knows how to judge the good from the bad. He has discernment. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, aggressive, yes, no doubt. Uh, certainly uh, robust, but also positive. Mm. And finally, uh, we lack uh, massive donors like <laughs> George Soros yes. and, and so yeah. on. And that is another thing that <clears throat> I've wondered about yes. for many years. How come, where are our billionaires? Mm. And, um, and uh, the billionaires that there are, that are more or less on the conservative side, seem to be extremely concerned with being associated with... Um, you know the forbidden things, and uh, and they they they, are, they 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 want the New York Times to write something, or they, they they prefer to go to the gala of the New York Times than to be with some mm. activist group. So they're not, they're, and and part of that is obviously fear for you know the other financial institutions that they themselves are dependent on again. Because if you're a billionaire, you're you're very afraid that the tax authorities are going to come and knock on your door, obviously. Mm. You're very afraid of... Yeah. There are lots of, of, of closets that you'd like to keep closed. But also, I think we, we have not successfully created a, uh, a social and economic network yet. Mm. We are still dependent very much on... on so that's why I launched a, an app on, my phone, on, on the iPhone. There's a forum app. The party has launched it. We're going to internationalize that. And all the members of the party can put their companies on it. They can have uh, job offers, uh, holiday houses. Hmm. We've set up a school. Uh, we, we set up a publishing house, obviously. Uh, and we have a, a dating function on it so that you, you can Tinder your way through <laughs> conservative <Yeah>. people. <laughs> um, and we can do that on a, on a, on a global level. I mean, if this anti-globalist alliance yeah, yeah. really takes off and we have a, a, a global app where we can always find, if, if I have a problem with my car or I want to, to find a restaurant or something, it, that, that's another thing that we have not yet established. Whereas the, the left, I think, has, has been much more successful in that regard in, in creating social and economic oh, they're ruthless. connections. They're ruthless. They will... They, they <laughs> will they will exclude anything they perceive as being non-leftist, yeah. let alone being conservative, uh, at the drop of the hat. And they, they're very, very conscious of where funds are going. And they make sure they go to left-wing causes all yeah. the time. They're incredibly well organized. Yes, and this is, this is an, an example from the Netherlands. Um, so the government, uh, we have now formally a right-wing government. That means <laughs> that they have been campaigning yeah. on not paying too much to the climate uh, policies. Yeah. So with this government, they give subsidies, several millions, to this organization, activist lobbyist organization yeah. called Urgenda. Yeah. And they start a lawsuit against the government with yeah. the money provided yeah. for them by the government to demand more climate policies. Yeah. 
And then the government decides not to uh, proceed against them, just to accept the judgment of the judge. But if you do that in Dutch uh, private law, you're very likely to lose the case because if you don't bring, put forward arguments, the judge is not going to investigate himself yeah. right, or herself yeah. in most cases now. Uh, and so the government got ruled against, did not appeal, went to parliament, like, it's a judge. It's not our it's not our opinion it's the yeah, rule of law yeah, yeah. we have to do this yeah. and that's just it's a way to use money to, to to channel this and 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 to get the whole government to move very steeply in left direction and that is something that for example people on our side are never thinking about those yeah, tricks yeah. The Conservative government here has been doing much the same thing. Actually, yeah. they've got they they, they recently uh, decided they weren't going to continue funding Stonewall, the, the gay yeah. activist yeah. movement, which is obviously an incredibly left wing thing. And uh, that was about six months ago, after thirteen years of Conservative government. Yeah. yeah. So thirteen years of Conservative government funding to yeah. left wing activists, and finally they were like, "Well, maybe we'll stop that." So yeah. This is ridiculous. Mm. Why was yeah. it not on day one? Mm, mm. Why do you, the Conservatives, give a single penny mm. to anything that even smells vaguely left-wing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Why aren't you funding right-wing organizations? Mm. Why is mm. this the case? And, and so the Conservatives... Well, of course, we're already being funded by Putin. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm waiting for the chat to clear. You know, I, I mean... And we just got banned from YouTube. <laughs> yeah. But... but but the, the, you are right. There's no funding for right-wing organizations no, or initiatives. No. I mean, I had to fund all of this myself. Mm. Right? So there's, there's just nothing. And I mean, thank God the public are conservative mm. in, you know, in quite right-wing right and willing to put their money where their mouth is. Because if it wasn't for popular funding, we'd have nothing. Yeah. And they, they don't have any popular support whatsoever, do they? So it's incredible. They have subsidies. Yeah, they have subsidies from, from vested interests. But this, this is now actually destroying Dutch cultural life as well because lots of friend of my friends of mine are in music and classical music world um, and all these orchestras and the, 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 this is actually this is a field where I, I believe it's true that subsidies must exist because otherwise you, you cannot you probably cannot survive so mm -hmm. they, they have all these subsidies and as long and as long as subsidies exist in any case there's no real market so it's impossible to mm. go beyond the subsidies in the classical music world. But they have all these demands that your orchestra consists of a certain ethnic uh, minimal population that you have. You play diverse music. And I, I know there's lots of other musical traditions, but we have Mozart, Brahms. Come on, this is... Mm. The, you're not going to have a classical orchestra do some, some African music and mm. then mm. Brazilian music and then a Mozart symphony. That's ridiculous. So, but mm. it's, these are all the demands. So it destroys... It completely destroys uh, musical life and it also scares away the public from these concerts. Mm. So a conservative tradition is effectively destroyed mm. from both mm. sides. Mm. The audience is like, oh, whatever, it's weird. The orchestras can't function anymore. Mm. And this is, this is how through these subsidies for diversity you can effectively destroy yep. entire parts of society. And they, ne they never think about the consequence of this. Because, I mean, as, as an Englishman, if I go to the Netherlands and go to watch and listen to an orchestra, I actually don't want to hear African music. Mm -hmm. I'd actually like to hear Dutch music. Weirdly yeah, enough. Or you know, just that, 
that's European why I've music. gone. Yeah, well, not, yeah, or European music, we'll yeah. generally say. You know, that, that's why I've gone there. And if I did want to hear African music, I would take a trip to Africa because I'd want the authentic experience <laughs> rather than some kind of progressive facsimile. You know, I would actually like <laughs> to hear Africans playing their music or Brazilians playing their music or Europeans playing their music. You know, I, I'd like to experience the authentic, authentic thing. And they, again, have just created this reality where it's not true. You know, the, 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 there's a disconnect. You know, there, there's an emotional authenticity when Africans are performing their own indigenous music as to when it, Europeans are performing their own indigenous music. And there's a truth there that's been removed when the Dutch Philharmonic Orchestra or something is, is playing something from Zimbabwe or something. You know, it's, it's not real. And I, don't, there's no, I don't believe it, you know? And so I can't get invested in it. As a, as a member of the audience, as someone who's interested culturally in that thing. Yeah, I think it's now also being done with uh, plays, theatre plays mm. and mm. movies, where mm. there's this, this, this idea that Hamlet is now a, a trans, <laughs> trans woman <laughs> from, yeah, from said, immigrant yeah, yeah, descent yeah. or something. It must be like that. <laughs> Otherwise, your diversity quota are not, mm. not going to be met. And, and I just hope that this will succumb under its own, it will fall apart under its own ridiculousness well but, you, you would think that but the powers that be seem to be insistent on propping this up you know yeah. I've, i i thought it was going to fall apart a few years ago but it just keeps going and now and the worst part is i'm really concerned because people are sort of you know sort of my age and, and older we've got a you are 25 i wish i was 25 uh, i'm 43 um i i remember a time when our cultures were quite self-confident in, in the 80s and 90s, we actually liked ourselves and we actually believed in ourselves and we didn't see ourselves as being oppressive forces that were keeping the rest of the world down. Actually, we just we, we were quite happy with the cultures that we were. And so I, I at least can remember a time when it wasn't straight white European men are the worst things to have ever walked the earth. Mm. Right? Um, but now, if you're 21... You don't remember that time. No. You only remember the progressive era where, oh, the West has always been evil. Uh, and so you have an emotional aversion to connecting with that thing. And you exist in a time where technology is unbelievable and gives you access to everything at all times. And so you've got a short attention span. You don't feel like you belong anywhere. You feel like a kind of strange, like a, like a leaf that's f floating in a river. Uh, you've got no agency and you don't have any stability. And this, I think, is, I mean, I've got young children as well. And I'm genuinely concerned that they're going to grow up feeling they don't actually belong in England, where they've been born and raised their entire lives, that they don't understand, you know, the, the place. And I'm, I'm really worried about this. And this is the sort of thing that I think conservatives should actually start thinking in a more sort of aesthetic way about their own country rather than um, in the sort of rationalistic way that the left always presents every argument in, in the abstract. You know, it's like, no, no, how, how do you feel when you're walking through the countryside? You know, how do you feel when you go to an old pub or you go to an old church or something like that? So you see a castle, you know, this, this has been here for a long time and we have been here for a long time. You know, yeah. we're, we're rooted people, we're tribes of the land, you know, it's... You know, you take them to museums and you look at four or five hundred year old paintings and you tell your kid you look like this yeah, person yeah yeah you yeah, look like this yeah. king you are the, you're of the same tribe yeah, you are of the yeah. same family yeah, yeah that is that is gone yes. from the modern world and 
the uh, John and I were walking in uh, Marlborough. Marlborough. Marlborough earlier yeah. today, just to, because we were visiting here, we had a car. Beautiful old village, obviously, but yeah. then the, the church in the center of High Street is now a modern art museum with oh. rock music yeah, playing from yeah. speakers. Oh. And it was sort of dreadful yeah. experience. How, why? Come on. Yeah. And this is this desacralization is of, of mm -hmm. our traditional landscape, but also of our spiritual is, is, is everywhere. Mm. In the Netherlands, also our traditional festive days are being cancelled or changed or because they They're are not being changed at pride festivals, are they? Yes. Well, for example, we have uh, a, a Dutch Santa Claus is on December 5th. Right. It's a typical sort of saint person with a long beard, looks mm -hmm. like Santa Claus, but has a slightly different name. His name is Sinterklaas in Dutch. And he has all these uh, black peats that are his, his helpers. Yeah. And in the traditional story, they are not slaves because the Netherlands has never had black slavery on its own territory, on its own soil. We've never had that in our entire history. So it's, it's, not, it's not an innate part of our culture. It's not uh, sort of uh, American Confederate flag kind of thing. That's, that's, that's not what it used to be. But it has sort of been uh, cultural appropriation. We've sort of appropriated that culture and now um, recreated a, a Dutch history where we sort of we were having slaves here in Amsterdam and in the Hague. It's, it's never happened. We've never mm -hmm. had black slaves in on on Dutch soil in Europe. It's, it it's not, has not happened. So it's, it's it's a different story. The Black Pete is a very funny character. Yeah. He's not as actually a slave. He's more. He's rather like. Um, uh, you know, like Caliban in uh, Shakespeare's uh, The Tempest, right. where Prospero finds this wild figure and he's his friend and they help each other. Right, right. And um, uh, But now Black Pete has been banned. Yeah. And we yeah. now have Rainbow Pete. So yeah. you're oh. actually not that far <laughs> oh, with the really? price. Yeah, yeah. He's a rainbow. <laughs> so actually... <laughs> oh, what a surprise, yeah. But you are right. It's, it's like, I, I view it as a kind of cultural imperialism. From America, where yes, it's it's, a, it's a, inverted imperialism, where we take over all the guilt yeah, complex. Yeah, we, we, we willingly take in the sins of America and ascribe yeah. them to ourselves. It's like, um, no. Yeah. Like, I mean, for for example, like I, I as an Englishman, I'm really proud of the way that England dealt with slavery. Obviously, especially legally, when a slave—I uh, can't remember the name of the slave now—but he escaped on English soil, and so it went to court. And it was just declared, well, the air of England is just too pure for a slave to breathe. He's free. And that was how English law decided that slavery just wasn't permitted in England. And that was in 1750 or something. Mm, mm. Uh, and, and, I, and I'm just sat there going, well, right. So I'm actually really proud of that, actually. Mm. And I think that was the right thing to do. And now I get to hear about America's sins about slavery. And I'm supposed to, because my skin is light, mm, mm. I'm supposed to take this on myself. It's like, no, no, no. We have a tradition about slavery and we're against it. And also the, the implication or the suggestion that every white person was a slaveholder oh, God, and yeah. every black person was yeah. Uh, yeah. was a slave. Yeah. It, it was, uh, ancestors were slaves. That's uh, not true. The, the, or that there were no black uh, slave traders. Slaveholders. Or slaveholders. Yeah, or owners. Yes, exactly. Of course. Danish yeah. D'Souza wrote, wrote a book about yeah, this. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know this. It's completely yeah. wiped from American oh, history, yeah. but there were yeah. plenty black yep. slaveholders. On the American, on, in the USA, right? Uh, but it's now it's it's create it's recreated into this just sort of every white person is guilty, every black person mm. is a victim, yeah, 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 yeah. and 
it uproots society completely. It, it puts us against each other. In my, I, in my, in the, during the COVID period, I also discovered that there are so many values that we share with Muslim communities, mm. Muslims, and that there are obviously fundamental issues about immigration. There are issues with regards to social participation and. There's a cultural discussion there to what extent we want our nations to become more ethnically and culturally diverse and so on and so forth. But when it comes to values, traditional values, there's a, there's a, there's a common ground that's mm. very strong. And the, the way in which we've been accepting all these little pockets where, oh no, I'm this, I'm that, that is also something that w w has been created because they, we are being called racist all the time, mm. so much, it's like, oh, well, yeah, it's, it's not really true, but hey, there is, an, there is an element of truth there or something like that. Therefore, we have the Muslims, we have this, we have that, we have the conservatives. No, we have to, th we have to break free from that. Mm. that uh, and that's also that's a force that is very strong. I think if, if the, the conservative elements within the immigrant communities uh, link, link up with traditional European conservatives, it's very interesting. The Conservative Alliance, it's called in the Netherlands sometimes. I mean, I see there are still a lot of problems, but it's also... It, it would be better to have um, at least some solidarity with these communities. Yeah. Because in, in, in many ways, you're, you're exactly right. And, but one, one thing I, I notice is that the, the, a lot of these people do not think of themselves in the way that the left thinks of them. The left thinks in abstract categoricals. And these they people, are victims. We must yeah. subsidize or them. Or they're black, they're gay, or whatever. But the, these people think of themselves as being on a kind of sort of the river of civilization. Yes. You know, they're the inheritors of the Islamic tradition and things like this. And so this is a, a much more rich way of looking at the world. And actually, they respect us more when we view ourselves in that way as well. You know, if we say, well, hang on a second, we're, we're the Christian yeah, Europeans, yeah. then suddenly we have a majesty in their own imagination and a self-respect about ourselves. When we just say, oh, we're white people, that doesn't mean anything to them as much as it doesn't mean anything to me. You know, I don't know what that means. And well, or we're people. Yeah. We're individuals. Yeah, exactly. That's even, That's even the, more reduced, you know. Um, but if, if we frame ourselves as being a part of a great civilization, then they actually have some respect for that because it comes with obligations. It comes with entitlements. It comes with expectations. I mean... You, one of one of the reasons, but also something uh, that we have a we have a right to uphold and something to uh, to exp to, um, uh, to 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 uh, uh, radiate to yes. to be proud of. Yeah. Uh, if if you talk to what is someone who is coming into the Netherlands seeing of that culture, mm. very very little, they see. Uh, People uh, being uh, drunk in the street on Friday and Saturday nights. They see mm. uh, promiscuous uh, sexuality. Uh, where they see uh, uh, horrible architecture. They see uh, uh, just a, a very annoying sort of approach to immigrants, where they there's like the oh you know, sort of us and them thinking. This this polarized society. I, I wouldn't feel in awe for the greatness of Western Civ. Yeah. If I were coming here from, you know, the Sahara, Sub-Saharan yeah. Africa, like you have no idea what you're... 
But if if the the well if <laughs> the first thing you see is you visit a cathedral, you hear classical music, you get this society of pride people uh, that are standing up for their families. That's that's a completely different experience. But not just that, just view themselves as the bearers of a culture, the mm. bearers of a civilization. And this is one thing I've noticed about the immigrants, is that they actually do view themselves very much as bearers of their own civilizations. Like the Indians become very Indian over here. The Muslims become very Muslim. Mm. You know, they're very attentive to this. Mm. And what, one thing that I noticed when I was reading and studying uh, the grooming gangs uh, in, the, in the north of England was that one of the ways that the Muslims would demean the girls is by essentially treating them like bad Christians. They would expect these girls to, they, they, they would say, you know, they're slags, they're unworthy. Uh, and they would expect them to be good Christians. And they're not. You know, modern English people basically aren't. And so that, when you think about it, they, they've come expecting yeah. crusaders, basically. They've come expecting, you know, a mighty civilization of good, decent, virtuous people. And what they've found is actually profoundly disappointing, degraded, and not worthy of their respect. And so they have shown no respect, you know. And, and I think, you know, don't get me wrong, it's obviously the fault of the people who have committed the crimes that that's happened. But it's also the fact that we have kind of... Um, been in a way letting ourselves down if we actually had been speaking with full chest and saying no okay you've come to England that's fine here are the rules you know this is how the English run England and you should be aware of that have a great day they would be a lot more respectful a lot more uh, understanding of where their place in the society is definitely you know? and it's it's just very disappointing to me as, as a person who finds himself uh, adopting a mindset from previous centuries uh, that actually this came to me so late in life. Right? I, should have, I should have had this growing up, but instead I grew up in the 80s and 90s where, oh, we're at the end of history now. You know, you're an individual. Don't worry about it. Go and play video games. Go and smoke weed. Go and get drunk. It's like, hang on a second. And so now you're only eating red meat. Pretty much, actually. Yeah. I'm on the keto diet, so oh, uh, I am actually pretty much only eating red meat. Um, but I, I, I just, we weren't, we were told not to take our civilization seriously, and so no one else has taken our civilization yeah. seriously. I think. Yeah. And that's really a problem, isn't it? Yes, my friend. I hate to do this, but I think we're going to have to end this now because <laughs> this went over a lot longer than I expected why don't was, we do this uh, again in a couple of weeks I would love to because I've really enjoyed this conversation I didn't realise it was going to get so deep so quickly <laughs> uh, but I think it's great so these are the sort of conversations I think conservatives actually need to have uh, and you don't see With anything like pleasure. this yeah. on the television which is a real shame but um, thank you so much for joining me gentlemen I've really really thank appreciated you, the conversation thanks thanks folks we'll see you next time